preseason is over. It is time for the real stuff to start. It is numbers on the boards. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me is the Minotaur man himself, yes. Jeff Skin. Wait, Skin, we're on the Isle of Crete. Right, Isn't that sweet? Right, Jaylen? It's beautiful. Uh, right. We're, yep, we're on Crete. Wow. Who'd Coming have to it? you, uh, first international broadcast. Say, Huge. the team went to Vancouver. Uh, I didn't get invited, so I decided let's one-up them mm-hmm. and go halfway across the world and mm-hmm. hang out on, on the beach. And this is impressive because I was clearly in Vancouver you for were. that game. You were definitely it in Vancouver. It was obvious that I was there Yes, and then uh, flew immediately to Crete. And then drove immediately yes. to Crete, yes. which is also your home. Had to get on a barge and then the thing... Got us to say, the Mediterranean. Man, late nights. So listening to that broadcast, this was the Mavs uh, 102-87 win over the Los Angeles Clippers. Owned. Listening to you and Follow Easy and Harp and Sed Sabalas on there at like midnight, it was like kind of delirium, but also I was like hyped because of the team. So it was this weird combination of like adrenaline and also just utter exhaustion, but it was a magical broadcast. It was, uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, it was 12 to 1. And I was like, it's going to be all right. And they, even, <laughs> even when they made their little runs, they never really got it much lower than that. I don't know what it ended up being. Yeah, I mean, they came within like eight, I think, yeah. in the third quarter. But otherwise, it was pretty one-sided all the way. And then as Hart pointed out, a lot of times in these preseason games, you know, it's like you're using different lineups, and then they make a comeback, and then suddenly it's fiddle fart time. Anytime they made a run, the Mavericks made another run right back, no matter who was on the floor. Yeah, and they did that without Dorian, without Seth Curry, without Ryan Brokoff, who hasn't been getting a lot of minutes, but it's still a body. It's still a shooter. Sure. Obviously, no Dwight Powell, right? who hasn't played at all in the preseason, and the Mavs still played, I think, nine guys before it came time to put in Roby, Reeves, Cleveland, kind of the end of Roby the bench. Roby played pass. great. He did. He hit a three. He had a three, and he also like gave Justin the, hey, go back door, homie, and yeah. then hit him with the pass. Yeah. I mean, this team is deep, and I think last night was a good example of that. The Clippers were without Paul George, so, and Who's you never that? want to look too far into it. It's preseason, right. but... You're down a superstar. Well, the Mavs were down like five guys that are going to play like 20 minutes a game for them. Mm-hmm. And they still, they cooked them. They cooked them, baby. The Clippers were without Lou Will, who's your guy. Oh, I so love we him. we got to, you know, Paul George's maybe cancels out Dwight Powell. Uh-huh. Lou Will cancels out like the rest of them by himself. And, and it also makes Montrez Harrell like three quarters of normal Montrez. That's true. Like he's the key. I mean, Montrez was good. Yeah. But when he plays with uh, Sweet Lou, it's like his full capacity is unlocked. That movie he hit Boban with was disgusting, though. Yeah. He got around him in one step from the free throw line. Stonk. Also, like, Montrez is a big dude, but my God, does Boban make him look tiny. He makes everyone look tiny. There was a moment <laughs> last night where he was backing down Zubac, who's seven foot, Yeah, he just turned around. <laughs> and then just, he is totally... The big brother playing Nerf hoop with the smaller brother. Yeah. And just holding the ball over him and just putting, you know, putting it on the. And the thing is, normally, whenever guys are that big and that, I mean, generally, seven foot four guys are not as coordinated as, say, your six foot seven, like ballerina guys. Truth. Uh, whenever they back people down, it looks very physical and you're going to get called for a lot of cheap fouls. But Boban is just like. He's just very casual about it, just totally dismantling the other guy. Yeah, and I, I saw – look, he's a di- way different style of player, but essentially Boban is a replacement for Sala. Like, there's going to be games where Boban plays very, very little or maybe even some games where he doesn't play at all for yeah, playing some small ball teams. You know, you're seeing a lot of him because Dwight isn't here. You know, Dwight and Max and Kristaps and are your three primary bigs. But there's a lot of situations where you really need Boban when you go against teams that have bigger dudes. And then also, like, he's, you saw at the clip that was going around today of him messing with oh, Luca's yeah. hair and Luca can't do anything to stop it because he, he, Boban is so big. Luca's, like, reaching around his yeah. head, trying to st- just can't do anything. But that has – I think people that have never been a part of a team – and I'm not even going to talk about sports. I'm going to talk about – Anything that you do in a walk of life in which you have a lot of different people, your different office. personalities, your office, where people have to come together on projects and pull in the same direction, you need people in the mix like Boban that just like everyone gets along with. He wants to be a part of things. He's got a good spirit. When we signed him, someone in the organization deemed him to me. They said he is a locker room stud, which I had never heard that phrase, but I was like – perfect he's just relentless positive energy yes it's impossible to be having a bad time whenever you're around him not because it's like juvenile jokes i'm sure he's got plenty of jokes 
but he's just so happy. And look, if, if you don't believe it yet, because you know he's only been here for what a week or something. Right. Look at how Lou Will greeted him whenever he went to Vancouver last night. He's look loved. at how the security guard greeted yeah. him whenever he was in Detroit. Every single. I mean, Andre Drummond was like. I don't know. It was like a little puppy dog. Like everybody <laughs> loves Boban so much. It's and pretty if, great. If you're losing five in a row in the middle of February and you just can't wait for the season to end, he's the kind of guy that you want did to you, sort of put his arm around you and just tell you it's going to be okay. Did you just come up with a great uh, – our buddy Cash Saroy, who used to work for the Mavericks and now is a company called The Well Creative. He does so many of these great videos in-house. What about an Everybody Loves Boban like a uh, sitcom parody? We should. How great would that be? You can be the dad. Yes. Uh, I'll be to. Robert. Uh, Boban can be Boban. Right. Um, Boban starring Boban. Boban starring Boban. Yeah. He's got acting experience. He does. He's Have a you movie watched star. that movie? Uh, I haven't. I've seen the scene that he was in. Okay. You got to say. Pretty awesome. Blue Keanu out of the water. Yeah. Now, Keanu won, but... He's in he, the movie's named after. Yeah, him. it would knew. be kind of anticlimactic, like in the middle of John Wick three. Yeah, John Wick got beat. James Bond doesn't die in any of those movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very one. unrealistic, right? If you ask me, right? Uh, okay, so on this, I believe the sixty fourth episode, officially the sixty fourth. About that, we did have a two part episode, so technically this is the sixty fifth okay. episode. But uh, it's episode number sixty four, unless I'm wrong, of numbers on the boards. Presented, of course, by Bedgear, the official sleep system partner of the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to be talking I, about... I yawned when you said that. Don't yawn. Well, I want to sleep. And sleep you mentioned, fuels. Yeah. Sleep fuels. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some preseason, overall, kind of overarching preseason thoughts. Uh, we're going to get into some, uh, some numbers, some of my favorite stats, actually, to talk about. Take a little look ahead to the regular season, then we're going to talk about an article from your boy Baxter Holmes from ESPN. Good dude. Uh, at the end of this. So, yes. Um, Okay, so the other day, so the team has been, th- we played on the 11th, and then we played on the 14th, and they, they left, they went out of town, played on the 17th. So these last few days for me, because I didn't go on the trip, have been kind of like just hanging around, not much to do, the team is out of town, mm-hmm. uh, there hasn't been a game recently to talk about, and so I got to like looking at old stuff, I guess, just feeling nostalgic, you, right. know, you know, as we do. Sure. And so I thought, you know what? Uh, I was messing around in iTunes with some other things, and I said, I'm going to pull up the episode we recorded whenever they got Luca, because that's still okay. like one of the most popular episodes on our podcast, like okay. on, by the whatever. And I could tell, like, at the time, you know how last year, kind of like Rick's mandate, the way that he acted all season long was like, don't blow this guy up. Like, he's right. just a guy. Right. Don't get, don't, oh, don't, exce- you know, put these high expectations on him. Well, that was kind of like, implied from the beginning of the summer right Mm -hmm. and so whenever they got Luca on draft night I was like holy crap this guy like might be a hall of fame level player already (laughs) but I I have to pretend like he's just a dude you know because we don't want to hype this guy up too much so on this episode I'm like intentionally like they got Luca he could be pretty good like just all of this like barely containing my excitement or like really trying hard to contain my excitement and then I went back and listened to Porzingis one and I was like barely able to contain my excitement when they got KP. We and were now, clearly drunk. Oh, yeah. And now, after watching them basically just tear apart teams for the last four games, even when they're not making shots, they're still styling all over everybody, especially these last two games. It's like, I don't got to pretend anymore. They're like, a perfect. It's, it's okay to say these guys are freaking awesome. Yeah, they're a perfect fit offensively, and you know this because Porzingis isn't even hitting his shots yet. And there's zero doubt when you watch it that he will hit those shots, right? Mm. Like, they're amazing shots. High-quality shots that a guy of his skill level – and Hart points it out, too. Look at how he keeps shooting them when he misses. If he wasn't a good shooter, he wouldn't keep shooting them. Mm. And so, it's just – it's very obvious it's on. It's so freaking on. And I was very concerned going into the year about our rebounding. That has dissipated quite a bit for me. Yeah, we're so going to be fine rebounding. Yeah, now f- you got to go compete and all that. Yeah, the first game was against Steven Adams, and then their second game was against Andre Drummond. And surprise, surprise, they didn't do great on the boards in those right. games. But these last three games, their defensive rebounding numbers have been incredible. And they've also pulled it together uh, phenomenally. Like yeah. they're they're getting better in that regard. But you know, we'll see on defense. It's jury's going to be way out on that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, all you got to do uh, whenever Nelly, I'm paraphrasing, but whenever Nelly was asked about defense, he's always say, "Well, last time I checked, you got to score more points than them." And that was so. There, that's going to be their calling card. They're going to be very difficult to stop. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is all about getting those guys kind of 
ready to rock together, like getting that chemistry built. We knew that going into the preseason. First couple games might have looked a little shaky, especially that Milwaukee game. But, of course, Milwaukee won 60 games last season. They're very good. They're on, on a both mission. ends of the floor. But these last two games, even as Kawhi is guarding Luka, and then against OKC, who even though they were without Steven Adams, OKC has the type of roster that always gives the Mavs problems. It's mm -hmm. a lot of long, rangy, athletic guys that can switch. The Mavs have trouble against those teams historically, but Porzingis has just dominated both of them. Yeah. I mean, he had that sort of that against OKC, that fake cut, like he was going to come off that double pin down, go up for a three. Well, Nerland's jumped all over that, so Porzingis just hit him with the back door and threw mm -hmm. down the alley-oop. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. There's yeah. like five guys that can do that, that yeah. command that much attention, you know. And then last night, he had, what, 18 points and 13 rebounds, and I think he didn't even take a three. Yeah. It was all just twos and free throws. I know he took one in the second half, and I uh, think yeah. he made it, but he didn't. Like, dude, he barely caught the ball outside of the arc last night. And a couple days ago, I can't remember if I saw it on Mavs.com or what website I saw it on. But uh, maybe Brad Townsend tweeted out, I don't remember, but he was talking about, I'm not used to shooting three or four threes in a row like that, bang, bang, bang. So I'm still getting acclimated to who I am and what I need to do here. And I thought it was real interesting that his first touch was in the mid post. And we saw him like calling for it at the, uh, the elbow and just, you know, they're, they're using, they're utilizing all these different ways they're going to use him getting him comfortable, and then it's all going to – the floodgates are going to open. Yeah, and his most spectacular play. And now as you're talking about a guy coming back from a very, very serious knee injury mm -hmm. – uh, that You're, he says he doesn't think about it. Yeah, anymore. that he says he doesn't think about. It, but you can you can hear one thing. But do you believe it? And well, the type of play that makes you believe that he really doesn't worry about it anymore is uh, against the Clippers this last game. Uh, I forget who it was. Maybe Mo Harkless driving to the rim. Porzingis stuffed him. Kind of stuffed him again. Yeah. Kind of scared him into missing a dunk. And then he runs the floor, catches the pass, takes the contact, and finishes. And yeah. you're like. Okay, there's no fear on the defensive end, right? right? He's gonna challenge these guys coming right at him, and then he's gonna run the floor and take the ball going full speed and draw the foul. I yeah. mean, he is like that is the type of thing demonstrating to me that he is really not worried about it. You can tell no. me all you want, but like show me. Right. Those types of plays show me that he is he's back. What about him running the floor? There's two run the floor plays I love. One, he got the pass and the swoop to the bucket, and he had a guard on him, got fouled on the base, finished and won, but the way he moved. But I love when he was sprinting down the middle of the floor, and Luca used that to make a cross court pass to a wide open Maxi oh, yeah. Kleba because you have a guy sprinting down the middle of the floor that big, it draws attention. It's a it's the fast break version of a rim runner in a pick and roll. Yeah. Right? It's the same concept. Yeah. Somebody's got to tag him, which means, oh, the and Luca reads it. Oh, weak side, boom. Well, and how often is he playing center and he's guarding the center? And if Porzingis takes off down the floor, he's usually going to win that foot race. Right. So there was another play where I forget what happened. Like Montrez Harrell ended up kind of out of the picture. The Mavs were playing five on four. Well, Harrell had to pick up a wing, which means Porzingis was guarded by a forward and he crashed the offensive boards. And yeah. he's, he's going to win that battle every time. Right. And so, if it, man, if he's guarding the biggest guy and it's transitioned the other way, then it's going to be a layup or a putback every single time for him. Right. If they wanted to. If they wanted to. I mean, he is uh, they, will, so good. You never know what injuries are. And so here's the other thing, too, and I hope people realize this. This floor is great. And by the way, the last couple games, Maxie's been exceptional. Yes. But it, you've, you've said it many times on this podcast. Dwight Powell is, from an efficiency standpoint, the best pick and roll big in the NBA. And so we have not even seen the full spacing of that yet. I mean, you talk about open looks. I mean, if it's him and Porzingis setting a screen, one of them rolls, one of them pops. And I would, want, I would want Porzingis to be my pop Absolutely, guy. but what if they overplay him to pop and then he just slips back door? Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's yes. Luca with the ball. You know he can find him anywhere yeah. he wants. You know, I mean, that is the type of stuff that just gets you be like. Okay. I want to go back to what you were talking about when we first got Luca and kind of containing the excitement. He exceeded your expectations in his first year, didn't he? Uh, I mean, I didn't think that he would go 21-8-6. and six. Right. I thought uh, – I, I forget. We might have – it might have been with you. It might have been with Followell. There was some podcast I did with Mike where 
we guessed his season stats, and I said like 15, 5, and 5. That's probably and, what I would have guessed, yeah, somewhere in that even, neighborhood. And that was because I was thinking that Dennis was going to take a big step forward. Right. And I was thinking Score that more DeAndre – I mean, I, yeah. I just – I didn't think that it was because Luca wouldn't be ready for it, but I just thought it was because there's just so many other players that are good. Yeah, and I thought there would be acclamation, and I didn't yeah. know that he'd lead the league in touches after the All-Star break or we'd trade half the team. or There's a lot of things you don't account for, but – uh, with reasonably high expectations, he was, for me, he was way better than I thought he would yeah, be. Yeah, no, for sure. I didn't think he would already be one of the best clutch players in the NBA as a 19-slash-20-year-old rookie. Yeah, he put 31, I think, on San Antonio, like the fourth game of the year. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was going to happen. Right, right. Uh, I did think that by the end of the year he would be doing that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, not right away. I mean, he immediately, like you said, before they even played a preseason game, you had Devin Harris saying, like, Oh, he's, he's our that, point guard. Yeah. And so whenever you got veterans that are talking about that guy already, yeah. like in July and in August, then it's like, okay, he's clearly better than even I thought. And I had like the Luca pom-poms out all year. Right. I mean, every time that he played a game with Real Madrid, I'm checking the box score the next day or watching the highlights being like, this guy, please, no one watch him. No one, like, <laughs> burn the tape, burn yeah. the footage, you know? It, it is extraordinary that they landed at five and still got him. Yep. It's extraordinary. I was... And, and God bless the explosion of Trey Young. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, that helped man. them significantly. Absolutely. And, I mean, yeah, I'm very happy that Trey is off to a really good start, too, because I'm already tired of the Luka versus Trey thing. I'm already tired of Knicks fans talking about Porzingis. But I'm happy that Trey is good because I don't want this to just be a dunk fest on the Hawks. I think, uh, yeah, well, the Hawks are fun. Yeah. I actually like the Hawks because, mm. um, hey, I'm a Maverick guy. I love the Mavericks, but I love NBA basketball. I always have. Yeah. I've always had other teams I have a high affinity for and enjoy watching play on a regular basis. That's not okay. Dude, the Hawks are fun to watch. They are. I love John Collins. Yeah, that guy's dude, a He's blast. real nice. He's like kind of, I mean, I don't want to overhype him, but there's some Amari Stoudemire going on there, yeah. you know. But I want the Knicks to be good, and I want Dennis. I want to Dennis shine. to be good. And I was watching them play the other night against Atlanta. It was on ESPN, I think. And Portis and and Julius Randle are like I think the Knicks made some weird decisions, but those guys play with an edge and they play hard and they're nail chewers. Nick, Knicks could be okay, baby, and I want them to be good because I want Dennis to shine. Yeah, I mean they could be the type of team where if you go into the Garden and you're not ready to go they could just punch you in the mouth or right. if you're marcus morris they could hit you in the head with the ball right uh, right because you're playing defense on him my animosity <laughs> is for the rockets and the lakers and stuff like that yeah. i'm not gonna have animosity for the hawks or the knicks because yeah. of what did or didn't happen in a draft day scenario i don't care about that yeah absolutely and i hope cam reddish has a very good career too because yeah. he was kind of the last piece of that trade but going back to the lottery whenever they fell because they had the third best odds going into that thanks to alec peters um they get extremely unlucky on draft night. Is falling that almost of that as far. video we made? Did we ruin their we luck? Could well, it ended up still working out for us. Good point. So it is we deserve the credit you and the that. blame. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, whenever they fell from three to five, man, I was in a pretty bad place because I was thinking it was going to be Luca. Eight into Phoenix made too much sense. Right. I didn't know what would happen with number two. I think the Kings moved up to second. Uh, I don't think they had the second best odds, and so that really threw kind of a wrench in it. I don't remember. Because I want to say Memphis did, or somebody else was in there. I don't know. Either way. God, I loved Bagley so much, too. Yeah. I love the top of that Dude, draft. and he's he had a great year, too. Yeah. I mean, if you read, uh, I don't know if you read Zach Lowe's, you're like the busiest guy on earth, so you probably haven't. I have not read Zach in, in a while. Yeah, he wrote like 35 bold predictions or whatever. Okay. Had one for every team, and his one for the Kings was that Bagley was going to lead them in scoring, and I was like, yeah. Okay. I Dude, can see his it. back half of last year was rock solid. Yeah, he was awesome. Now, it does mean you have to outpace Fox and Buddy. They got a good team, man. And Barnes. Well, hell, they may trade Buddy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, moving on, yep. Skin. Yep. Uh, the Mavs got Doncic, and we're hyped. Uh, okay. We saw some different lineups this preseason. Heading into things, I think you uh, were the first one on earth to say this. Uh, even before the Mavs did, Doncic, Porzingis, Wright, Jackson, Maxey mm-hmm. would be a good starting lineup. Well, we got that one. That mm-hmm. was the first lineup that they used whenever Doncic and Porzingis both played. So yep. I'm throwing out the one in OKC because those guys were inactive. Right. Uh, then we also saw Doncic, Porzingis, DeLon Wright, Courtney Lee, and Maxey. We saw Doncic, Porzingis, DeLon Wright, Jalen Brunson, and Maxey. That's what we saw last night. And right. then we also saw Doncic, Porzingis, Wright, 
Finney Smith, and Tim Hardaway Jr. That was the lineup they used against the Bucks. And so my question is not um, which of these do you like the best. This is a leading question because I have an answer for it as well. But the question is what do you take from the fact that they used five different starting lineups in five preseason games? Um, I don't take anything from it from a starting standpoint. Like, hey, we're trying to see uh, who's going to start and who's not going to start. Um, the one thing that might be a caveat there is that Jalen was so good in the preseason that maybe they said, all right, let's get a look-see. But Justin was really good last night. Yeah. And Justin's been really good at times. I know that they want mm-hmm. defensive versatility and length and shooting. And, you know, Jalen to me is an ideal – for this team is an ideal backup point guard. I'm not saying that's what Rick and those guys are, are thinking, but that's kind of where my brain is. Um, I want that size. I want that defense and rebounding because I'm not concerned at all about the offense. So – and I also like the signs I've seen from Wright in the last couple of games. Yep. So that would be the caveat is, oh, maybe they're seeing what it'd be like with Jalen. But it's kind of hard to read because they talk like Dwight is their starting center. Mm. They do talk like that. Um, and they so, paid him like he's going to be a starting center. Too. Yeah. I mean, they so gave I, him a lot of money. I would assume. I personally think the versatility of Maxi makes a hell of a lot of sense. But, again, we have not seen this offense yet with Dwight as the role guy, yeah. and it's kind of a game changer. I think that was one thing that Brunson's insertion into the lineup last night kind of helped sort of like manufacture the same movement that Dwight ha- creates whenever he's on the floor, mm-hmm. right? Because if you had KP with Luka and then DeLon and Maxi, then your fifth guy really is going to be the one that's moving a lot. Like, DeLon is a cutter, but he's spotting up a lot. Luke and KP are doing the pick and roll thing, pick and pop, so they're kind of doing whatever. Who's filling in the cracks, right? And a lot of the times it's Powell cutting, being the vertical threat and all that stuff. Without him, they haven't – they've had some stagnation at times, I guess. Yeah. All of a sudden you insert Jalen Brunson in there, and he's buzzing around like a chicken with his head cut off, and Mm. that's just causing a little bit of chaos. And so I wonder if if he was kind of – he's obviously not going to – dunk it five times but he can help sort of break the stagnation in the same way that Powell could but if Powell's the starter then you might not need that you might need off the bench what I drew from that is every single different lineup that they used sort of um uh what's the word corresponded to the opposing team starting lineup so like when the Bucks were in town they match yeah when the Bucks were in town you got uh I th- I think it was Robin Lopez starting because Brooke, yes, Brooke was out. Brooke was Brooke didn't yeah. play. I don't. think. Yeah. So yeah. you had Porzingis start at center, and then well, Giannis is their four, and so we're just going to put Finney Smith out there and not right. Maxi. Right. So I wonder if, and then last night against the Clippers, well, you want Delon to guard Kawhi, and they don't have Paul George, so you can Luka go a little smaller. Covered him a lot. Yeah, Luca did guard him and, and covered did him pretty well. well. Yes, yeah, did pretty well. Um, and so. You know, they, they went kind of small, relatively speaking. They had a, a true point guard out there, and so they started Brunson to kind of match with that too. Right. So I wonder if this I wonder if they could use thirty different starting lineups by choice just to sort of mix and match what the I, opponent is doing. I I I'm amused at myself at this idea that we're gonna go, what is the starting lineup? When we know We I mean, have no idea. <laughs> that's not that's not how Rick really operates. Because he's got his now watching him all this time, he's the second longest tenured coach. Hit tie with Spolstra, right? Yeah. So we've seen a lot of his tendencies, and I feel like watching this all this time and calling these games, I know what a lot of his base instincts are. But Rick is a guy that's also not stubborn from the standpoint of if someone comes to him and says, we need to start J.J. Bray in the finals, he's open to it. Like yep. he's, he, he empowers people on his staff to do their job, and he's you know receptive to ideas, and he processes it and all those sorts of things. So – I am amused that this starting lineup is going to be this when we know damn well he might go against this team. I think we should do this. Yeah, and as long as everyone buys into it, then yeah. you could have success. I feel like there is – I don't look – I mean, I wouldn't come on a Maverick podcast and go, I don't think this guy's buying in. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I'll say this. I look up and down that roster, and I don't know who the guy would be that's not buying in. Yeah. I, and I'm saying that just as transparent as I can. There's times where I – identify people on a roster where I go, I don't know if this guy buys in. I don't know who that would possibly be. Yeah, I mean, be we could shine a spotlight on one guy like 
the second highest paid player on the team, Tim Hardaway Jr., who came here last year. It was an immediately a starter. Right. It was kind of this weird headline thing on Media Day where he's saying he wants to be Michael Finley, and Rick is saying, well, he might not even start. And Tim is killing it off he's the bench. The he's been like their best in. bench player. Yeah, and he's buying in, and he knows where his shots are coming from, and he's embracing it. That We talked about this a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, and quite frankly, it's kind of been better than I had hoped, at least from a preseason standpoint. Absolutely. I mean, the percentages are there, but I'm looking at the way he's playing. I mean, yeah. he's running the floor. He's moving the ball. That is He's buy-in. playing with energy. He's yes. not, like, forcing really anything. He takes heat check shots, but so does Luca. Everyone, Everyone takes, takes heat, heat yeah. check shots. Bob, I mean, I've seen Boban take a heat check shot. Yeah. So he ended up shooting. I forget how many attempts he actually took, but he shot 43% on threes, and he took two from half court last night. So 43% for the preseason, if you take away two heaves, he's closer to like 45, 46 at least. Awesome. And then I mean, he got some wide-open looks. Yeah. Now he also did the pull-up on the break and do it, but he's always done that. Yeah, That's absolutely. And yeah. when did he have the best year of his career whenever he was playing in Atlanta, which is a system with yep. really good players around him? I mean, right. all these things. Like, I really can't stress this enough. Don't put too much stock in people's numbers when they play for the Knicks. Right, right, <laughs> and right. that's no disrespect, but it is what it is. No disrespect, but it's honest. No disrespect, but it is true. Uh, okay, time to look at some of my favorite stats. Uh, if you've been a listener of this podcast, which I assume you have been, otherwise... You're here, right? Yeah, you're not listening right now. Uh, I'm pretty sure, Skin, we talked about these numbers on the first ever episode of this great program. Is that right? Uh, numbers on the boards. Yes, that was whenever we interviewed Dennis Smith Jr. Okay. That was episode number one. What a great launch. Way back only two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can even remember back then. No, far, I but, forgot uh, at all. We talked about pace 21. Yes. Pace 21 is do you get the ball across half court with 21 seconds or more left on the shot clock or 20 seconds or less? Mm-hmm. Generally... The faster you get it across midcourt, the better you score because the defense is off balance or you're in transition, whatever the fact is. Transition's good. Yeah, transition is good, and they've been running very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check out my Twitter timeline if you have Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, then don't get it. Uh, Get Twitter. Don't get Twitter. Uh, Okay, pace 21. Generally, again, the concept, the faster you play, the more you score. Uh, So this preseason, I want to say that this is for the first time ever over such a big sample this is a five game sample again very small sample size Mm -hmm. but the fact remains they actually had more possessions getting the ball across midcourt in three seconds or less than they did getting it across in four seconds or more in the five preseason games five preseason games that's a shocker dude. they got it across wow that's very fast yeah and why does that matter well if you get it across in 21 in three seconds or less they scored 1.14 points per possession, mm-hmm. which is very, very good. Mm-hmm. That's like top five in the NBA level good. Uh, whenever it took them four seconds or longer, they scored 0.912. So that's a quarter of a point, basically. Or a point, yeah, 0.23 points that you're losing yeah. for every second extra that it takes to cross half court, basically. I mean, people go, oh, my God, what? And then just sit down and do the math and multiply it times 100. Yeah. If which you is have, about 100 possessions a game, and then you can see the difference. You go, oh, crap, that's the difference to getting rolled. Yeah, I mean, well, so I have the numbers. So they, they got it across in three seconds or less 265 times. They mm-hmm. scored 302 points. Okay. okay. Uh, they got it across in four seconds or more 262 times, and they only scored – 239 points significant and now there's 100 or 110 possessions in a game and so that's a what a 63 point difference we'll divide that by about two you're that's a 30 point difference that you're costing yourself yep so you get it across quickly and you get it in the paint you attack the basket you kick it out to your three-point shooters that's how you score that's how you score that is how you score that's how they want to play yeah and so now i I think that was kind of one um i don't want to speak for the team or for rick or anything and now for the mavericks here's bob yeah but uh on behalf of the entire organization um last year after a made basket there was a tendency for everyone to sort of Mm -hmm. guy gets the ball goes out of bounds maybe picks it up off the ground who am i throwing it to i got luke over here i got dennis over here all right dennis and then dennis catches it turns takes a couple dribbles, maybe tosses it over to Luca, walks it up the floor. There's like 15 seconds left on the shot clock by the time you're even in a position to 
set up a play. That leads to contested step backs. Absolutely, two yeah. I mean, if you're wasting eight, ten seconds, and that's before you even get lined up to mm-hmm. run a play. And last year they ran a lot of motion stuff, which takes ten seconds to run. Mm-hmm. So you're getting shot after shot after shot with like five seconds left on the shot clock. That's not good. No. That is not good at all. What they're doing this year, and this is obviously preseason, so everyone feels great. Everyone's happy. It doesn't matter if we win or lose. But what they're doing is if the opponent scores, they're getting it, catching the ball before it hits the ground, stepping out of bounds, tossing it to Luka, and they're off. Go. Every single time. Push, push, And by push. the time the Fox uh, Sports Southwest cameras cut away from the guy who just scored, they're already, like, moving it. They're yeah, cutaway shots. Are, it's really going to be hard for the director yeah, to go to the go, good cutaway shot. Yeah, you got to go picture-in-picture, picture, man. Come Clay on, Clay. Armstrong. Yeah. On, pressure's on you, Clay. Yeah, he is going to be up against it, man. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. They're playing fast. I mean, they're still – about average in pace mm-hmm. uh, for the preseason, but average in preseason is 116 possessions per game, whereas last year they were like at 102, 103. Right. So, I mean, they're playing very, very, very fast, it's leading to a lot of easy looks. It's fun. It's yeah. fun to watch. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And as watch long as it's not what Rick calls windshield wiper basketball. Yeah, where it's you just don't want careless the fourth quarter of a preseason rec game. center crap. You don't yeah. want that, but yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they know what they're doing. Last season they or last night they turned it over thirty one times, which is and still scored a million points. Yeah, that's true. A million. It was a blowout. Yeah, it was a blowout. Uh, so watch that as you're watching games starting Wednesday night season opener against the Washington Wizards. God, I can't wait at home. That is we have a one hour pregame show that night. Ooh, on Fox that's something. gonna be on the plaza too. So yep. if you're going to the game, get there early. We're having a party on the plaza. Um, there's going to be, like, games and stuff set up, and then your pregame, what, 6.30? 6.30. And you can get on camera. It's like the college game day thing. Yeah, dude. Sort of make signs. Seriously. Make yeah. signs and show up. Even if you don't have tickets, come down and hang out on the plaza, and then there's, like, some really great spots. Like, Hero's a great spot, yeah. spot to watch a game. Or there's several great spots if you don't have tickets. I mean, I'm sure it's a sellout. Have you heard? Uh, yes. It's got to yeah. be, The right? home opener is usually, like – you definitely want to get there early, basically. Get there early, home. make signs, be on the, the AT&T. Is it still the AT&T Plaza? I'm sorry about know. sponsors. Probably. I ruined a sponsor. Yeah. South Plaza. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, make signs and be on it. Um, and uh, there's we're special guests like Harp is going to come out to the set. Jason Terry will be there. Ooh, the jet. So it's, it's going to be really, yeah, It's going to be really awesome, fun. man. Yeah. I mean, you can feel... You can really feel the excitement, man. 9,000 people, 8,800, whatever it is, come out mm-hmm. to the open practice. Yep. Uh, preseason games were, I mean, the fans who did turn up for those, pretty lit there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they were even getting news and ahs in Vancouver, too. I mean, yes, aside I think, from I Boban, think, everyone gawks at Boban, but I'm talking like Luca and KP. They're like. And that was a pro, I mean, Luca's international, but that's a pro Clipper crowd because not only is it West Coast, it's Kawhi, yeah. who is the greatest one-year Canadian of all time. Maybe even long tenured too. I mean, yeah. who, who's some long tenured Canadians that would have him beat? Nash. That's true. Nash invented basketball in Canada. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe that's not. And Vince Carter. Yep. And Vince Carter too. Did you see Vince Carter go off the other night? No, he I hit, didn't. I, I think saw he hit some four threes in the first half, and yeah. then hit like a shot to go up two with like forty five. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, he said he wants to play all eighty two games too. Go get it. All 82. Dirk almost pulled it off. Another reason to not be mad at Trey Young and hate on the Hawks. Vince is there. Absolutely, man. On, Vince is helping doing? them along. And Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. They got a lot of players. They got a fun Red team. Velvet, Kevin Herter. Red Velvet. Red Velvet. Uh, get well soon to him, by the way. I think he's been out with an injury for a little bit. Uh, okay. Real quick, look ahead to the regular season. We already talked about the Wizards. Uh, that is October 23rd at home, 7.30 p.m., Fox Sports Southwest, Eastern Radio, blah, 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 blah. The Wizards kind of ailing right now. So John Wall's been out. Obviously, Bradley Beal just signed that extension. That's mm-hmm. good for him and good for them, too. But uh, they got some other problems, man. Jan Mahimi, C.J. Yes. Miles, Troy Brown, Isaiah Thomas all have not played. I don't right. know what their availability is on opening night. But that's going to be a tough one for them. And if you're the Mavs, again, no disrespect to the opposition, but at home on Pound opening them. night, this is a team that has gotten off to very bad starts the last three years. Yes. You have got to win that game. I don't like carrying over stats from the year before to the next year, but if you look at based on last year's win percentage, the Mavericks have the second easiest schedule in the first month of the season in the NBA. Now, that's going to be skewed because that includes the Lakers, and I think we all agree the Lakers ain't the team from last year win percentage Probably wise. not. But point being, come on now. Yep. Time to put your big boy pants yeah, on. Yeah, you got to win. That, that's a game you got to win. 
Got to win that. You want to be good. And, and you, you know what? I know it's tough to go on the road and be on a big national televised game for their first home game, but they're not going to have Zion in New yeah, Orleans. Yeah, that was what I was going to bring up next. So Zion Williamson, if you haven't heard, he's going to be out for a period of time. A few weeks. I guess weeks. Yeah. I don't know what weeks means. They but eliminated that it was a severe injury, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you got, who knows? It's knee got, soreness, man. That's you got fluid that's, on that thing. That's There's no not telling, good. Right? I mean, we've had, there have been players here who have just had basically water on the knee, mm-hmm. if that's all it is, and they've missed a very long time. Sometimes yeah. that leads to some other stuff. I mean, it's right. it's scary. So uh, and he's a big dude. He is a big guy, and he plays very athletic brand Bowling of basketball, ball. too. Yeah, so a very physical style. So, um, yeah, so Zion will not play in that game. That is still New Orleans' home opener, though, so that's going to be pretty lit. And then you come home. So that's two games that I think we can agree that you should at least – you should be very competitive in both of them. You mm-hmm. should be in a position to win them. And then after that, it is a uh, it's a bit of bit of a gauntlet. Versus Portland at Denver, and then versus the Lakers. All right. So here's what I have to say about that. I think that the Mavericks are to the point now where they need not that it's a gimme or anything, but they need to expect to win home games against teams like Portland. Yeah. Because that's what you that's how you look at it if you're a playoff team. That's not meant. I mean, I respect Portland. I really enjoy them. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. It's a conference finalist. Yeah. So I don't look at it as like that's, oh, you, we're better than Portland. But if you look at yourself as a playoff team, you win home games. Yeah. Right? Now, you're not going to win all of them. You may lose to one of the top teams. You know, that's that happens. But they don't need to look at that. And, hey, going to Denver, that's second out of a back-to-back, isn't it? No. That is one. They have a day off. Okay. That's better. Thankfully. But going to Denver's tough. I going get to it. Denver's tough. Now, they have played Denver well in Denver. For the last several years, and they swept Portland at home last year, and this team should be more talented, you'd think. Playing the Lakers' fifth game of the year, that could be a blessing or a curse. Who knows? The good in that maybe they don't have rhythm set up, the bad in that maybe they do, and there's yeah. no film on how to stop them. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And then after that, it's time to get to work. you got the Cavs, the Magic, and the Knicks. So right. uh, you have gotta a really good chance. Yeah, you got a really, really good chance. That's the first, uh, let's see, one, two, three, eight. four, five, six, seven, eight mm-hmm. games. Really good chance to be like five, three, six, and two start, and Let's that go. is that is very good. Because Let's guarantee you, it. If eight, no, because <laughs> if you're trying to make the playoffs, man, you can't be two and six. You can't be three and five. You can't do any of this slow start stuff yeah. that we've done around here the last few years. Last night in Vancouver, I said I would flash the schedule. I was like, I don't know about you guys, that looks like nine and zero to me. And yeah. Followell and Harp spit up the coffee they weren't drinking. <laughs> I mean. It's, what are you doing, Skin? Shut up. Hey, there's nothing wrong with confidence. Yeah, confidence. Right? Ask Will Blackman about that sometime. Yeah. Uh, okay, as we do on every episode of Numbers on the Boards, we talk about all the hot topics, but we also talk about things that you might maybe not thinking about at all. Maybe they're just like totally out of mind, out of sight, out of whatever. The price of tea overseas. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, the economy, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. You know how the how it goes. Uh, so last week we gave you uh, a player to watch. Each of us did. I said Justin Jackson, who ended up having a really, really nice preseason shot. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I had it down somewhere. 60.5% from the field and 45% from three. That's good, right? hey Uh You said Seth Curry, who unfortunately got that knee bruise. I heard it. Knee contusion. I injured uh, the guy. Yeah, you did, and then he didn't play in uh, – in Vancouver, but I don't think it's anything nah. serious because um, he was out on the golf course and he was looking very happy whenever. Did he you play in Mavs? I, I didn't. I am literally the worst golfer on earth. You're not worse than Derek, are you? I am. I would bet I am. Okay. Yeah. I'll ask him to play 18 holes. I'll even keep score, and we can we can go from there. I don't think see. keeping score is like some great benefit to playing. Oh, no. you'll keep score. Great. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's that, that so? hard to write. The I'll number. drive the golf cart. Well, yeah. that's fun. I'll let him drive the golf cart because that's more fun than than not. Driving. He wrote uh, the score down 18 times. What a tremendous <laughs> asset. Yeah. I, I'll count, you know, whatever. Uh, okay. So uh, this this week's thing that you're not supposed to sleep on. Okay. So, and this is going to be a little meta here, so you got to follow me. But don't sleep on sleep. Oh, I like where you're going. Okay. Yes. Don't sleep on sleep. Yes. If you have heard of ESPN... Uh, you've probably heard of Baxter Holmes. If not, then listen to Skin's podcast with him. God, he's great. Uh, yeah, I did uh, the Radios and Tunnels podcast. We uh, Thank you very much. We uh, promoted a lot on this podcast. But uh, session three was with Baxter Holmes. And it was specifically about, you know, he, he writes articles like the one you're referencing about sleep. He, that was like two years in the making. Mm. So he'll, he'll work on these pieces for sometimes two, three, four years. Yep. So it's really 
in-depth investigative journalism that's excellent. And you don't see that as much anymore because people are doing quick hits and scrolling on to the next story. But when he writes, the reason I had him on is because when he writes something, I stop down and read it. Mm. And then I'm suddenly late to whatever appointment I'm going to or whatever because it's incredible writing, exhaustively, uh, that's a good word for what we're talking about, researched <laughs> and, and uh, really well written. And he got into the whole component of sleep in the NBA and how it's like, the dirty, dark secret that people aren't willing to talk about that it's really compromising the league. Yeah, so this came out, I want to say a few days ago, maybe it was sometime this week. Um, the article is headlined, uh, it's the dirty little secret that everybody knows about. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it's not really a secret, but basically I want to read the the kind of the lead of this, and then I want to read a couple of quotes from later on in the article, and I just want to talk about this a little bit. So whenever you hear us talking about things like back-to-backs mm-hmm. and losing time, like this year the Mavericks don't lose an hour Oh, uh, on any back to back. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, don't lose any time at all. So that's we'll, we'll shifting talk about time that. zone, yeah. and it has a huge impact. Yeah, it does have a huge impact. So uh, here's how the article starts off. Again, this is on ESPN.com by Baxter Holmes. It's the afternoon of February 26th during a three-game and four-night stretch, and Miami Heat center Hassan Whiteside is on a roll. That's how you know that he wrote this a long time because he was still on the Heat. <laughs> he hadn't been on a roll in a while either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, tomorrow night, his Heat will host the Golden State Warriors, then fly to Houston to face the Rockets on February 28th. But now he's rattling off what time the Warriors game will end, 10 p.m., when they'll board their flight, 11.30 or later, mm-hmm. when they'll land in Houston, 2 a.m., and arrive at the hotel, he figures it'll be 3, before playing the Rockets later that day. Quote, and that's just what we've got tomorrow. Right. I mean, that is, and I can testify to this as having been on a lot of these road trips, you can too, having been on them yourself too. I mean, it is, like, let's say, uh, here's a really good example. The first back-to-back the Mavs play this season will be at home against... Is it the maybe the Knicks or uh, the Magic or something? I don't know. And then we'll leave right after that game and go to Memphis. Oh, yeah. That is actually, yes, that's a Friday-Saturday game. That's one of the ones I'm on. Yeah. So okay. I know this. So what will happen is the Mavs will play at 730. The game will end at 10. Players will do uh, their mandatory media availability. And let's say uh, whenever you walk into the locker room, there will be a time jotted down on the board so the time for that will probably be 11 15 or 11 30 that's the time you have to report to the plane so luckily the drive from american airlines center to uh where the mavericks take off from is very short it's right. probably 10 15 minutes yep uh but some places like new york for example it's an oh. hour yeah or washington where you fly into dulls that is an eternity but mm-hmm. luckily for dallas in this case short drive so you get to the airport at 11 15 or 11 30 as asked Everyone's got to get on the plane. Everyone's got to buckle in. They got to do their safety thing. Got to get queued to go. By the time you're taking off, it's like 11:45 midnight. Mm-hmm. We'll land in Memphis at maybe 1:30 in the morning. Load the buses. Drive to the hotel. Wait for all the equipment and luggage to show up. Unpack and sort that. Everyone gets their luggage, takes it up to their room. It's 2:33 in the morning. Yep. And then you sleep in and a place that you've never been, right? In a hotel that uh, the temperature is not set at what you want it to be. The bed is not as big or as comfortable, familiar or, to you yeah. as yeah, because different people sleep in it every single night, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, maybe uh, you forgot to close the curtains, so you wake up at seven a.m. because the sun is peeking through, so you got to go close them. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's ten a.m. and you got to go to your team meeting and you have a game. In uh, and, five hours. In which you have to compete incredibly hard against the world's best athletes. Uh, a lot of people go, well, sleep on the plane. There's all kinds of studies to show that that's not sleep. No, not at all. It's not real sleep. Not at all. And even if it was, right, and now there is, there's a lot of studies to show that even if you are sleeping well, sleeping for two or three hours at a time and then waking up and continuing on to your day is actually actively very bad for your body because Uh-oh, you're affecting like you, Yeah, so napping is fine for like 30 minutes. Okay. But once it gets to like an hour, an hour and a half or anything longer than that, that's whenever you can really start screwing your body up because you're going into REM and then you're waking up and then you're like all sort of like uh, out of whack and then you have a harder time falling asleep whenever it actually is time to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think the the major issue in the NBA right now is that games are played at night, right? So yep. whenever you're at your athletic and physical peak at night and then you're trying to cool down, even if you played a game at home, you're not like in a position to go to bed until like 1 or 2 a.m. Right. That's why in this article, an NBA GM calls players vampires. 
Uh, you have players like Tobias Harris who obsesses over his sleep. He tracks how long he sleeps. CJ McCollum tries to go to bed as early as possible. Mm. But again, whenever a game ends at 10 and you don't get out of the arena until 11 and you're buzzing and you need to eat food and then you eat food and that gives you energy. And then all of a sudden it's like midnight and you're like, well, I can either go home and not do anything or go out to the, the bar, hang mm. out with my friends. Well, then all of a sudden that turns into a late night. You have all this energy that you need to work off. And then yeah. maybe you drink something and you eat bad and then you're screwed. At See, that people won't do this because you, you don't want to cut back on the money. This, this NBA season should be you play every team twice. Yeah. And that's what it should be. Or play two games a week. Uh, yeah. Play Saturday, Wednesday like they do in soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday night game, Saturday during the day, boom. And then That's only it. have a month off. But then, yeah, your season is much longer. Right. And the, the off season is much shorter. Right. That doesn't work for anybody. But right. that would guarantee no back-to-backs, no over-exhaustion. You're never having load management in that case because you never have multiple, uh, you know, three and four or anything like that. Right. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, I realize, hey, I want to protect the, you know, money interest of all this stuff. I mean, I don't want them to fire me because I got to cut back. Uh, You'd be the first to go. I'd be the first to go. In fact, I'm probably gone anyways. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, but that's you know for for the to take to have the best quality basketball and to protect the athlete that's you know we know a lot more now than we did when they created these schedules yeah absolutely you know? and it is a major issue health wise too that extends beyond the career I mean I, I, there was uh, one line in here where this is from research done I, I I just copied and pasted the quote I forget who said it but they say quote Chronic sleep loss has been associated with higher risk for cancer, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, heart attacks, Alzheimer's, dementia, depression, stroke, psychosis, and suicide. And these are NBA players who are big humans. Whenever you're a big human, your heart has to work harder. Uh, Generally, taller people are more at risk for heart disease in general. Is that right? And so if you're already living a stressful life, traveling a lot where you're getting... uh, varying amounts of hydration right whenever you travel whenever you're on an airplane you're dehydrated uh i need to go home and go to sleep yeah you're struggling i mean you're already putting your body through so much and then also you're not sleeping enough to help recover from all of these things that are uh kind of uh plaguing you and then all of a sudden late later on your quality of life is uh, dramatically reduced. And yeah. that's not just for players. The guy, you just depressed me. Yeah, that's not just for players. If you're listening or watching at home and you're like, well, hey, I don't get enough sleep either. These guys are millionaires. Why should I care about them? Well, that's a great thing because NBA players are just like us, Skin. Over the last 50 years, this is from the uh, Boston's Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School, the national average sleep duration on work nights, which every game, every night in the NBA is a work night, but for us, it's Monday through Friday, has fallen from eight and a half hours to less than seven. It's not good. In 50 years, we have lost, on average, two hours of sleep per night. We're working harder. That is... Dying faster. Yeah. And when you work harder, are you working smarter? I don't know, not necessarily. No, it's dumb. Yeah. Don't work hard. Do just enough to slide by. Right. <laughs> great, great advice. Barely get through this thing. Right? Yeah. Just yeah. So it is, uh, it's bad, man. It's very bad. Uh, so that's why the Mavs, for example, partnered with a company like Bedgear mm-hmm. to try and help get these guys better sleep, uh, smarter sleep, whatever, more efficient sleep. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like a big kind of epidemic that's sort of... Uh, I guess, I mean, you have NBA saying that this is like the, the worst secret or the, the, the worst right. kept secret in the league that's affecting everybody. I mean, this is something that I, I don't know how you find a solution unless you take away games. You got to take away games or change. And, you know, the NBA's worked hard towards that. They recognize it and they want to make things better. I love the leadership of the NBA, especially compared to other leagues. I'm a big Adam Silver fan. And, you know, we have a tendency in, in with our big entities to, like, pretend like there's not issues. Mm. And then I don't think the NBA does that. I think they try to, especially when the issues are very complex, and if you've been paying attention to the news, there are some very complex issues. Yeah. They try to meet those things head on. It's There's no easy answers. Oh, well, here's an easy fix. But they don't stick their head in the sand either. Mm. Uh, the things that it is a complex and difficult world that we live in. Uh, and I just – I appreciate in most instances the way that the NBA approaches these yeah, things. I mean, think of how they've taken on things like mental uh, mental health, mental wellness, right? right? Players like Kevin Love speaking up, uh, kind of changing the way that we view these things, and now NBA teams are taking steps that the Mavericks, for example, have had DK, uh, Don Cockstein mm-hmm. on the staff for many years, but I'm sure that hasn't been the case for other teams. You don't flip the switches on these things and they're fixed because mm-hmm. there's money involved. And if you've been asleep and missed all of this, 
money runs everything, all right? It does. So with respect to that and our system that we have in this country and try to solve these problems within that construct, it's not easy. But I feel like that they're a little more progressive in trying to deal with issues that people normally ignore head on. I respect that. So in other words, more matinee games, yep. uh, fewer games, and vote skin oh, man. 2020. Yes. Uh, the president of Crete. Yeah. Are we still in Crete? I'm on the Minotaur Can't tell if we're platform. Yep. The yep, vote Minotaur. Uh, okay. Skin. Yep. I think we've reached the end of the road. Okay. But uh, this is going into the weekend. The weekend leads us to Monday, which leads to Tuesday, which leads to Wednesday. Before you know it, basketball will be here. Yep. And so yep. uh, I want some parting wisdom or a parting shot from Avs fans. What is? What are the things that you're going to be thinking about between now and and opening night on October 23rd at our beautiful arena right across the highway. I'm going to be... Uh, or right across the ocean because we're in Greece. Yeah, because we're in Greece. So I'm going to assume that Dwight does not play on opening night. Oh, okay. I'm going to... Now, that's not the case, mm. but I'm going to assume that. And so I'm going to spend a lot of time... That means Maxie's going to start. I'm going to spend a lot of time wondering who that fifth starter is. I think DeLon's in. I think he Luke is be, in. Right? Think, I, think, KP. I think he's in. Who's that fifth starter? Uh, and so I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about that and being excited about that. And I think that the bench unit's going to be fun. And I think we're going to get up and down. It's going to be a track meet. So I feel really good about the first week of Maverick basketball. But I'm going to be really focused on what is Rick thinking about the optimal starting lineup. That's going to consume me the most. How about and you? And then all of your thinking is going to turn out to be wrong no matter what it is because the next night they're going to do something totally different. Right. But uh, that I'm is – I'm hoping Dwight's here to start. I, I would love that too. And if now he hasn't I will played – he hasn't played in a single preseason game, do you think he, they automatically start? I don't know. I mean, unless it was like precautionary or something. But as you guys said on the broadcast last night, I think it was you who raised this point. He's so good off the bench. He's always been I mean, he comes in and he bench. just destroys the opposing team. I yeah. mean, always. And now one more thing on that. Even if he does start or even if he doesn't, like notice how Rick has been cycling in the big guys over like none of those guys plays longer than like mm -hmm. five minutes at a time. Right. Whether it's KP or Maxi or Bobon or anything. I mean, right. I wonder if all three of those guys might just average twenty eight minutes a game or something, where they're just constantly That'd be cool. go in for five, yeah. play to exhaustion, come sit down for three and then go back in and do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I that could be awesome. But I can't wait to see how they work out this rotation. Yeah. Because I'm going, man, Brunson's gotta play. Well, where are those minutes? We want Bray out there, right? What about Seth? He's a great One shooter when he's spacing DeLon. This is a good problem to have, but it is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of electricity firing off the brain trying yeah, to figure all this that's out. That's going to be what I'm thinking about too. The rotation uh, to your question, Luke and Seth Curry. I don't believe played a single minute together. or Played like eight possessions together in preseason. Right? As we talked about that, I don't think that's going to stay the same. No. So uh, eventually, those guys will play together. When will that be? How will that be? Will that be in the starting lineup? Will it be in the fourth quarter? I have no idea. Uh, who closes the game whenever mm -hmm. the Mavericks play their first close game, whether that's October 23rd or the 25th or the 27th, whenever it's the last five minutes of a game and the score is within five points, who's on the floor? I'll steal from Hart. Well, who's playing great that night? It, you kind of are in a position to ride the hot hand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it's always you got Luke multiple options right. at each role. Yeah. You know, I yeah. guess that's the best way I can articulate yeah, So that. maybe it is just, man, whoever's playing great, and that's where if you have buy-in, you can afford to do that. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see. All of these questions and more are going to be answered soon, though. We don't have to wait much longer because basketball is back. Yep. We are just a matter of days away from yep. the regular season beginning. 2019-20 season is almost underway, and we will be here with you the entire way. Yes. Once a week, every week. When? I don't know. But we'll at, figure it at out. At times, we'll be with you every single week on numbers on the boards. Presented by Bedgear, the official sleep system partner of the Dallas Mavericks. Skin, Bob, I love you. I love you. It was a great preseason. Mm, the best too. one we've ever done. We did it. Uh, you and I yeah. uh, did it. It's us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, for Skin, I'm Bobby. We'll be back with you all next week.